Hello and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I'm Terry Stiathney and I've been speaking to Professor Ian Robertson. He's a professor of psychology at Trinity College Dublin with an interest in neuroscience. He's published several books on the psychology of confidence, success and stress. His latest will be published this year. Hello, my name is Ian Robertson. I'm an academic at Trinity College Dublin, psychology. I've written several books on the mind, ranging from my last one was the stress test. and the, The one that's about to come out is called How Confidence Works. Why is the subject of confidence so important? Why is this something that you wanted to look into? Well, confidence is probably the most critical psychological resource that someone can have. It really is a bridge into the future. It's the secret of what has made humanity so successful as a species because what confidence does is it helps you envision a future that doesn't yet exist and then work towards that. No other species does that. And confidence is the kind of fuel for that bridge to the future. And it's also a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we believe we can do something, it actually makes us more likely to be able to do it. And the critical source of confidence is success. So if you actually manage to do something, that builds your confidence. So it's it's a multiplier. It works in compound interest. So this is part of the human condition. Is confidence part of the reason we are the way we are and our civilization is how it is? It is actually. I mean, if you think about it, in the last year, humanity has eliminated uh, polio from the world. Uh, the previous disease was smallpox. These incredible achievements required that a group of individuals uh, actually had the confidence to think that we envisage a future without polio and, and we can find a way to do that. Similarly, someone who, a social campaigner, um, you know, who's some, someone who, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, who envisages a non-racial America or a less racial America, who has the confidence to, to envisage a state that doesn't exist, that seems to, to maybe to most people as being fixed, they can anticipate something that's beyond the current reality and then work towards that. And that really demands individual confidence, but not just individual confidence, it also demands collective confidence. That is the belief of a group of people in the capacity of that group of people to deliver uh, this future. And on an individual level, are some people more disposed to being confident? Is this something that's innate that you're born with? No, like most aspects of human behavior, there's a bit of nature and a bit of nurture. And there is a there is a, a small genetic loading, if you like, a heritability of, of confidence. But <laughs> it is a small difference, say, in a, in a child that's born. And the amazing thing about confidence is that it acts, as I said before, as this multiplier, this compound interest. So, for instance, if you take two children, uh, beginning of school, with equal abilities, but one of them is slightly more confident than the other. That slight augmented confidence will mean that child will persist more through difficult problems and then achieve more as a result of this. They will try out things that the other less confident child won't try out. And as a result of that, they they create new states and skills and abilities and, and, and networks that make it easier to achieve further success so that if you like that small difference in confidence between two equally talented children at the beginning of life 
expands and, and exponentially expands over life so that success breeds success. And, 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 you know, the Bible says, you know, to them that hath shall be given. Um, and that's the Matthew effect. And, and that's the way confidence works. So presumably in later life, people that haven't had that confidence instilled in them, whether that's in school or in their home life, the children that are more confident will be likely to go on to greater success as adults. Yes, but fortunately, fortunate, yes, that is true. And one of the greatest sources of confidence is your socioeconomic status. So your socioeconomic status gives you an immediate boost, if you like, an immediate advantage, just merely having that, that status. Um, but the, the great thing is there's an antidote to that um, having low socioeconomic status, and that is feeling you have a sense of control. So feeling that you have some control over your world is actually what confidence is about. Confidence is your faith that you can control something in the future. And having that sense of control is actually a wonderful antidote to the diminished confidence that otherwise can arise from being lower in socioeconomic status. And there are other ways... The thing about confidence is it's a set of mental habits and all habits can be learned and unlearned. So you can actually learn to be more confident as well. Looking at one of your other broadcasts on this, you say the greatest obstacle to confidence is fatalism, the idea that you don't have control. Whereas in a socioeconomic sense, my goal might be to buy a Ferrari. But if I don't have the money to buy a Ferrari, I might feel that there's not an awful lot I can do about that. No, that's right. So you've got to be you've got to determine in your life what things you can control and what you cannot and um, that's the critical thing one of the critical uh, sources of confidence is setting goals that stretch you a bit but that are not too difficult and then get that sense of satisfaction and, and, and a sense of achievement at achieving the goal so if you want to you know if you're living in very little money and you want to you know, buy a Ferrari, then no, unless you can have some inter a lot of intermediate goals on the way to that Ferrari, you won't, uh, you, that's unlikely to work. It's too distant and too unrealistic a goal. But you can, by, by setting goals for yourself, you can, every time you achieve a goal, your brain generates a, a little burst of dopamine activity in, in the brain's reward network, the feel-good network. So that lifts your mood and lowers your anxiety, both of which help contribute to confidence. So by building small steps, goals that you achieve, that, that stretch you a bit but not too much, you can actually learn to become more confident. There are other ways of doing that as well. So you're talking about a set of mental habits there. What are the things that you can teach and what's the best way of going about teaching people that? Well, the first thing that you just mentioned is that sense of fatalism, the sense that I am where I am or who I am is predetermined in my genes or in my upbringing. And that's called a mindset. And if you, that's called a fixed mindset where you're, you assume that, you know, the cards that you've been dealt in life are, is what you have to play with and, and there's not much you can do about them. That, of course, makes learning to change your current status, it kind of nullifies at the very beginning. Because if you don't believe that you, know, you can change because you have a fixed mindset, then you, you will become 
the first step you take, you'll become discouraged because what we're talking about is learning here and learning always involves ups and downs and times where you feel you're not learning and then other times you do. If you don't, if you don't have faith that who you are and, and your abilities and your emotions are at least to some extent under your control and changeable, then you won't engage in the, you know, in the arduous, slightly arduous learning that we have to undergo in order to change them. And what else can you acquire? I know some young children are taught in primary school now about fixed and growth mindsets. What can those of us who didn't learn that early on do to acquire more confidence? Well, the interesting, well, for first of all, there's been very nice big studies done with college age students in, in the United States showing that you can improve their academic performance by simply giving them a 40 minute web based um, instruction about fixed mindset and how that's not justified. So that so so abandoning the fixed mindset is the first step. The second step is, is, is becoming skilled at setting goals for yourself which are intermediate which stretch you a little bit but which are feasible and doable and getting in the habit of structuring your time no i'm not talking about life goals necessarily i'm talking about goals for this morning goals for the next hour and getting getting in the habit of realizing you can control your motivation your mood and the very chemistry of your brain by setting goals that you then achieve because one of the one of the biggest sources of confidence is mastery over tough times, mastery over tough situations. If you can get through a tough situation, in spite of that toughness, in spite of the adversity, if you can get through it, that is one of the most powerful sources of confidence. And even uh, people, for instance, who are, are suffering from phobias or anxieties, for instance, those who, who, who manage to expose themselves to the thing that they're frightened of, this, say, for instance, the person who's anxious about meeting other people. If they can just steal themselves and set themselves a small goal of having a tiny conversation with the, the man in the newsagent shop, you know, just a few words about the weather. If they set themselves that goal and then achieve it and come out, that then gives them a little boost, a tiny little antidepressant boost in their brain of a goal successfully achieved, that will diminish anxiety and that will make, make it easier to do a next step. And you can gradually build up your confidence uh, by getting through situations that make you anxious like that. So speaking of situations that make you anxious, to what extent is confidence related to place or our environment? I mean, I might, for instance, feel very confident at home or in a familiar environment, but I might feel like a fish out of water somewhere I don't know or where I don't know the rules. How can you address that? Yeah, that's that's really, we, we are creatures of our environment hugely. And, you know, you, you know, you go into a big, a big uh, uh, hall somewhere where very fancy place or, or where the social rules aren't clear to you. Maybe it's a you know, different uh, group of people. Uh, and of course, what that does is it, it diminishes your sense of control. If you're in a familiar environment, it's predictable. If you can predict something, that will give you a sense of control. If you cannot predict then that will diminish your sense of control and thereby diminish your confidence. So, uh, but that's the critical thing is for you to, uh, if you like, engineer your exposure to situations like that, uh, gradually, not, not doing the big leap, complete leap into the unknown unless you're very confident, but just 
titrating your exposure to situations where you feel less in control and, and, and building a sense of control by you controlling your exposure to them. That's one way of, of extending the, rel the, the, the number of situations in which you feel confident. Prediction is, a, is, is the critical thing here. So I shouldn't just jump straight into having tea with the Queen at Buckingham Palace in the unlikely event I was invited to do that. That's right. You, you find a you find a, a kind of diminished duke somewhere, and uh, you 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 have you have a cup of coffee with the <laughs> diminished duke, <laughs> something like. <laughs> Excellent. It was interesting you mentioned earlier that not only individuals but societies can have confidence, the confidence to go to the moon, the confidence to defeat illnesses. I mean, maybe that's something we need particularly at the moment. What can leaders or members of a society do to promote that social confidence? Collective confidence is different from individual confidence, but can bleed into individual confidence. So you and many of the many of the, if you like, the injustices or the inequalities that bother us, things that maybe make us feel that we don't have control over the worlds we live in, many of these things are only changeable by collective action, by banding together and having trust that the group as a whole can achieve goals, even if you as an individual cannot. And so uh, I do think that, you know, if people can, in their local community, for instance, if there's things about their local community that they don't like, that make them feel that they don't have control, maybe there's something to do with crime or, or, or the environment there or something like that, if you can band together with other people to set not the huge goals of you know but intermediate what what can we achieve that's that's specific measurable achievable realistic and 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 timely if you know the smart goals what can we do as a collective the more, so so collective confidence can build through success and and expand in that kind of exponential way i was talking about earlier so I, I do think that the, these things, it's very, it's very hard, it's complicated working together with people and sometimes, you know, groups work together. But if you can, then that's a, a wonderful antidote, lack of individual confidence, because you're, 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 you're getting a sense of control via the group as opposed to feeling out of control as an individual. So I know you've also looked at the psychology and the impact on the brain of power. It strikes me that one of the dangers, perhaps, is that there are many people who are confident without the ability to back up that confidence through their actions. How can we mitigate against the people who are overconfident without justification? That's one of the big, big problems for the world at the moment, is um, overconfident. I have to say men here. Men, on average, are more overconfident than women. And that serves them very well in promotions and, and careers and in gaining power in organizations because confidence is a, a persuasion. If you have confidence, it gets you just merely having confidence gets you status in the group and having status makes you persuasive and so you can get your way. So the paradox here is we need overconfidence because, because you know, you'd never have eliminated smallpox or polio from the world if you didn't if you if you didn't stretch yourself beyond something that beyond the current reality but too much overconfidence leads to hubris it leads to 
people um, being uh, self selfishly narcissistic. It, it, it leads to people not perceiving risks. We can all think of examples in the world of this just now. And how, how we combat that overconfidence is really, really challenging. It needs good governance. If you just look at the United States just now, the, 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 the instruments of governance, you know, the, the independent judiciary and the, and, and the various you know, constraints in, in the uh, constitutional system have been pushed to their limits to constrain the overconfidence of a, you know, a person with, who has gained great power in that system. But the other antidote, if you like, apart from good governance, the other antidote to, to, to pathological overconfidence is values. And this is also a source of individual confidence as well. If you can select people for positions of power or influence who you can be absolutely certain have strong values, then they're going to be less um, vulnerable to the, the downsides of overconfidence and, and the power um, addiction that can go with this. Because values, if someone really holds to the values, what that means is there are some things bigger than their ego. You know, there are some principles, some legal or ethical or, or, or moral or religious principles bigger than them. So it's, it's harder for them to, to get the narcissistic pathology that comes from great overconfidence and great power. And that works on the individual level as well. People often, and, and you know, people from lower down the socioeconomic scale feel this much more than people higher up it. And that sense of being diminished or humiliated or feeling you know, small, if you like, that has bad effects on your body and brain. And particularly if you have an interaction with someone that feels more, who is more higher up that socioeconomic status, it's very easy for people to feel bad about themselves after these interactions. However, there's a wonderful antidote to that, and that's, that's to do with values. And it's called self-affirmation. So the evidence is if someone um, criticizes or diminishes or, 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 or humiliates you, um, or, or that the risk, there's a risk of that, if you take time to just affirm to yourself, preferably in, a, in writing, in a, in a little diary entry or something, about who you are and what your values are. I'm a good friend. I'm an honest person. You know, your basic fundamental values of who you are, just bringing these to mind offers a certain protection against the humiliation, a sense of humiliation or being diminished and makes it less likely that your confidence will be sapped by these interactions. You mentioned it briefly there. Is there a gender aspect to this? I mean, I suppose the cliche is we assume that men are overconfident and women are lacking in confidence despite their abilities. What can we do about that? It's a huge gender. It is one of the biggest challenges for the world is to eliminate that gender difference in confidence, which makes the, the fact that women, um, women are more realistic about their abilities than men. So even gender, even if you self-assess your general knowledge about geography, for instance, so I give you a geography test and I ask you to guess how well you did in that test, how accurate you were, how good your geography knowledge is. You will tend to give yourself a more accurate self-assessment of your ability than I will as a man. I will tend to exaggerate my knowledge. You will tend to be more realistic. Now, now, what that does is that puts me at an advantage because confidence 
Overconfidence is persuasive because it gives you status. It then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, there's, interestingly, there's a, uh, there's, there is a situation where that difference between men and women can be reduced, not eliminated, but reduced. And that's to do with what's called the, the two different uh, ways of thinking. One is deliberation and the other is implementation. So if, if we're thinking about our lives for thinking, we're thinking, what am I going to do now? Maybe I've lost my job. Um, you know, how, how am I, what am I going to do with my life? And you think through the various possibilities. That's called a, a deliberative mindset. You're deliberating. You're going through various options. Supposing, suppose that's called the deliberative mindset. So supposing then you, you fix on one of them, say, look, I'm going to go back to college and I'm going to get a qualification in X. I don't know when caring or maths or accountancy, whatever it is. So that's then you stop deliberating and you've got a goal, okay? And now you're, all your, your brain circuits are now focused on achieving that goal on how you do it. That then be, that's a completely different mindset. That's called the implementation mindset. And women, if you can get women into that mindset where they're focused on a goal, their overconfidence uh, it goes to normal levels, and the difference between them and men diminishes. Okay, so they're less underconfident when they're delivering on a specific goal. So that's why collective action. That's why setting goals for yourself is so important, particularly for women, because it, in that state of mind of implementing something, um, their underconfidence reduces, and they become more confident. That's really interesting. It's about breaking a goal down into manageable steps, I suppose. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people when, you know, if they lose their job or their relationship breaks down or something happens in their life, inevitably you have to thrash about in your mind thinking, what am I going to do? You, your courses of action are not set out for you in a kind of predictable pattern. And that, that causes a lot of anxiety. And anxiety corrodes confidence. Uh, so one way of Dealing like, but you need you need to consider your your options. You need to deliberate, otherwise you won't come out with with a potential goal. But what you need to do is to is to oscillate between the deliberative mindset and the implementation mindset, so that you say, okay, I've narrowed it down to four possibilities that I, I can do. Now, now I'm just going to take a few concrete steps towards one of these to test it out. You know, I'm going to phone up three or four colleges locally to find out what it would cost or what it would take to do that course I'm, I'm kind of thinking of. And just merely taking that action, taking these steps, puts you into a mindset that actually builds your confidence, particularly for women. Finally, if you're in a new situation, though I'm sure you feel confident in all situations, do you have any hacks for overcoming a tricky situation? No, I, I, I don't. I'm not confident in all situations because... I'm only confident in the situations where I have some experience in. There are situations where I, you know, really feel I don't feel confident because I don't have any uh, anything um, immediately to hand to to help me to, to know how to behave in these situations. So it's not the case that I'm universally confident by no means. But the, here's here's the hacks. First of all, um, remember that the the symptoms of anxiety, the the twisting stomach, the dry mouth. The symptoms of anxiety are exactly the same symptoms of excitement. There's no difference. They only become fear or anxiety by the label you put on them. 
So if you can if you can change the situation that's making you anxious because you don't feel in control or you can't predict it, if you can turn that into a a challenge for yourself, a goal, I am going to get through this for 10 minutes at least, then if you create that goal, then you will actually feel a sense of satisfaction and build your confidence in that way. A second thing is to your breathing. If you uh, just breathe in slowly to the count of four and out to the count of six, and if you do that a couple of times, you change the chemistry of your brain. You change the levels of a, a critical uh, chemical messenger in your brain called noradrenaline, which is part of the fight or flight system. And you, if you, if by, you, the, the noradrenaline system is controlled by carbon dioxide levels in your blood. So by slowing your breathing in that way and breathing out for a longer period than you breathe in for, you actually reduce the anxiety and, and make yourself calmer and therefore better able to, to cope with the situation that's making you. A third thing I would say is... Um, avoid adopting a diminished posture. You know, when we're frightened or we're lacking in confidence, we tend to kind of hunch our shoulders and fold our arms together. Doing that diminishes your confidence. Avoiding doing that helps you maintain your confidence. It's not the power pose thing. The power pose research hasn't been borne out when you stand in you know, a wide strutting uh, posture. That, that doesn't work, but, but avoiding a contracted posture does work. And, and finally, affirm your values. Before you go into that situation where you feel you're lacking confidence, think, who am I? What are my basic values? What, what is it that makes me? What, what is good about me? Doing that will also give you a, a kind of securer base for, for getting through the situation. And if you get through it, that small success experience will build your confidence by changing the chemistry of your brain. Thanks very much for talking to us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Head Talks podcast. We hope you found it helpful and interesting. You can find many more talks on our website at headtalks.com or listen to our podcasts on all the usual channels.